You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Take two. Before the after the show was the first take of the after the show. We uh, recorded a little bit and then realized that the ceiling fan was recording more than our voice. It was like this. (laughs) So now we're sitting very hot and um, it'll be hot very soon and we're going to record this podcast just for you people. (laughs) Don't don't do that. Blood, sweat and tears. There might be tears this time but there's no blood so sit talk sweat <laughs> what are you gonna say i'm going to say um that uh, uh don't know, it's kind of a downer so i'll just we'll just say it yeah we'll get we'll get the this off the top of the show <laughs> yes and then we'll move on to brighter yes. days uh this week we had a very tragic loss in our fam. in my family was a, there was a car wreck and a young member of our family, a cousin of mine, little nine-year-old girl, didn't survive. And her mother, 33-year-old first cousin of mine, has, has and struggling recovering from a severe head injury and other injuries. So it has been a very trying week now in families. You know, you're. I don't know if people like to admit it or say it, but I don't bullshit. So here we go. You have like layers of people or circles of people in your life that you're like, there's people that are right up on you in terms of like you and me. We are like the nucleus, like like the center of the atom. That's some, that's some big words you use. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then you have the electrons and the quarks kind of floating around and they're really up close and they're very necessary. And then you've got like, I think I'm getting that right, and the protons or whatever. All like the universe. Kind of, yeah. Like, And as things go, oh, I'm thinking that's the start of you and the people closest to you. You know, when things happen good and bad, it affects you certain ways. Now, this little cousin was just like barely on this edge of the closest family because our branch of our family stays very close so it's like my mother's sister daughter and granddaughter it's her little granddaughter who passed away and the daughter who is an identical twin as well is now recovering and as of this moment a serious downer has not been informed about the loss no. of her daughter because she did not wake up for the whole week until yesterday. So it sounds like something out of a movie, but this kind of thing happens. And there's more to the whole the thing that it's even more traumatic for the whole family. But that's a, that's enough right there. You would be like, holy shit! Yeah, you just feel like a little bit of a daze. Like I said, she. It's you. If you don't like to admit it, that's fine. But there are people in your family who you love, like you care about their well being. You net they're not. You don't think of them every day. You don't necessarily, if they're not, like, this little girl was always at every family event. And she was always, the rem, like, really needy and not needy, like, clean, needy, like, what was that? What's this? What are you doing? What are you doing? Can I use your camera? Can I do this? Can I do that? And she was always just, like, involved in everything. But then when you're not at a family event, I wasn't around her. It was just those times. So that was always my impression of her. And, um... You know, so grieving is sort of like, I think you, like the people closest up, my aunt and obviously her, her aunts 
and the closest people to her who have known her are just devastated, like com- like crumbling. Then there's my mother, who's the sister of, you know, she's right up in there helping my aunt through it all. And my mom's kind of like the steel rod compared to my aunt, who's sort of the crumbler of the of the sister pair you know what I'm saying so then I'm affected because my mother has been right there and I'm affected because now I'm going through all these little one thing about her name was Cheyenne and one thing that I did not know about her was she kept taking her mother's phone and she made I have only gone through a couple dozen short videos of herself doing things like singing singing and this little series that she did, unbeknownst to her, she she's just, she puts the camera, the phone right up on her face, and of course it's sideways all the time because she's holding it wrong. She's like, "Hi guys, I'm gonna take you to my brother's bedroom, okay? And here's his toys, and there's his bed, and there's this. That's really cool. And look at the shape of his closet. It's really cool. And then she talks, and then she goes, "Well, everybody, that's my brother's bedroom. Okay, bye." And then the next one is it's like a vlog. It really is, but it was only ever on this phone that through other circumstances, had to be disconnected and wasn't even being used anymore, and so it could have been lost. But there's loads of them, of her just sitting in the car, just humming to herself and talking to herself. And those people would have never been able to get those off there. Right, and that's why they get send it to us. And, of of course, it wasn't difficult because we had the right little technology to do it. But going through it and looking at all the pictures of her and I'm putting together the little slideshow and picking my mom and I pick the music and those kinds of things draw you into a person, you know? And as I've been saying, like, her life is lived now. And so just to put together something that kind of... I don't know. I don't I don't really phrase things like honor people and respect their life. Encapsulate. And, yeah, and just... Um, summarize if that sounds really cold but i mean it is what it is and you have you need something that if you want to look back and click it on click on it sometime and watch all of her little pictures and her videos then it's got a little you know then it just reminds us actually does she have a facebook page she does not she's too little right but um so that is that for the week that's the And you know, I'm not I'm not a I'm not a god person, I'm not an angel person, I'm not any of that kind of stuff. So it's also a, a layer of that where I am reserving all of my own personal view of life and death because everyone else doesn't see it the way I do. And and I would like to add <laughs> if you drive a vehicle, please wear a seatbelt. I know Absolutely. it's the law and you should. But if you don't, if you if you're in the mind of oh, it's the law, screw the law, please wear one anyway. It can it really does save people. This is because my cousin, the 33 year old, not was wearing, thrown no. 50 feet from the vehicle. This is why she incurred all the massive. Injuries. And I'm not saying it would have been any better with the no. seatbelt, but it could have been, and that's what they're there for, right? So it's for her, important. but the grown up, she just didn't. She just, and she's not unlike millions of other people. But it was one of those situations. All bad things. There's no happy ending to this story, unfortunately, except uh-huh. that you compartmentalize it and you go, "That is that," and life does go on. And then we just that's it. All right. So then we watch a movie and you incorporate the bad feelings and what the good stuff again and you keep on trucking because that's all you can do really i'm not a crumbler i guess and different personalities are different and you're not the person who could have come on the day when we viewed her and 
she was cremated and all that. I can't deal with funerals myself. Right. I've I've never. I think everyone has their place in the story of a a tragedy in a family or a good thing in a family. You might have a wedding and not everyone's good at this and that and the other. When you have a tragedy, not everyone's good at comforting. Not everyone's good at saying, look, I'll pick the music. I'll do the slideshow. Because if people who are super close to her were trying, yeah, they can't think, they can't function. It's... It's raw, you know, and for me, I can object objectively do it a little bit. I've been crying. I just it just happens every once in a while. My boss had sent me a little note, and I said, "He said, how's everything?" And I said, "I'll be there this week, but just be prepared. If you ask me just the right question at the right time, you might be tears because I mean, it's kind of just bubbling up under the surface." You know, it's sad for anybody. A sure. little person, a little person dying, especially. Absolutely. I'm not a, a kid dying yeah. because. It's just not... It doesn't seem fair at all, does it? Exactly. It's a life lived and then that's that. You know. Yeah. All right, anyway, let's move on to yes. uh, brighter days and... Take a deep breath and go on. Uh, so it's Saturday, August the 17th, 2013. This is after the show, number 288. And uh, this is the podcast where myself <laughs> and my <laughs> wife... Is, if this is somebody's first one, they're going to be like, holy shit. Holy shit, this is depressing. <laughs> It's not. I'm just not. I'm not a person who hides things. I don't believe in secretive shit. I'm an open book, and so you're gonna hear what's good days. You're gonna hear about bad days. You're gonna hear about so. So this is our movie review podcast, uh, where we review a movie. And this week's movie that we're going to look at is The Great Gatsby. It's a 2013 movie, released on Blu-ray on the 27th of August. So that will be what, like another week away. So this is an early review. It's a PG-13 from our friends at Warner Brothers. And Sid Tart, you're going to give us a synopsis of The Great Gatsby. Uh, it's a soap opera. <laughs> I've never read this book, so I didn't. I don't have any novelized idea of how to describe it to you. So I've I'll actually you never read the book either. It is a story of love uh, slash obsession. And that's it, really. When you think about it, that is the heart of it all on every angle. Love slash obsession in the roaring boy 20s. meets girl, boy loses girl because he goes to war. Girl meets another guy who has more money. Other boy decides he's going to flash around, find a way to make loads of money, win the girl over with similar mysterious shit, and then like uh, bad stuff happens, as it often does, and tragic things happen. And set it in the twenties with New York it, as the focus of the picture. Comedy, right? <laughs> this is not a comedy. This is a tragic love story. Yeah. So um, the movie, The Great Gatsby. Would you say this is a man versus himself or man versus both? Both what? It's man versus his inner demons. Man That's versus himself. Yeah. And man, man versus, versus his what environment. Are the other options? His environment. No, well, it's just, not like a tornado or anything. That's man versus not, his environment. No, his environment. What he's created for himself, this odd I don't think that's a real thing, but that sounds interesting. That is a real that's thing. man versus himself, then. Yeah. So, The Great Gatsby, the movie, not the book. Well, we all know that the book is... Um, a book. <laughs> a book that is really highly regarded as a American literature classic. By some. Studied in schools. It's, you know, it's... Now, Which I explains why at 45 I've never read it. And it explains <laughs> I've never read it. I didn't know the story to it, to be honest. This was like... 
I've never seen... I didn't either. ...the older versions of the movie. I So this story is a fresh story to me, which is odd for a movie. You know, I'm sure most people will be like, what, a fresh story? The Great Gatsby? I didn't really know what was going to happen or what happens. I didn't even know the... No, I didn't no, know that that me either. Gonna, so that's funny, isn't it? We're not very well educated. <laughs> I disagree with that comment. <laughs> it's just, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. But anyway, you don't have to be, you know... Reading classic American novels doesn't mean... You've not read Shakespeare, probably. I have read a lot of Shakespeare, yet. doesn't make you any in clever, fact. does it? <laughs> Actually, I think it does. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <so it> doesn't. <laughs> to read Shakespeare, mm. grasp it, enjoy it, and thoroughly understand it, yes, it makes you more intelligent. We have... You know... So I've got one point up on I you. imagine The Great Gatsby is... Wait a minute. Shakespeare's British and you haven't read it? Yeah, of course I have. Oh. That's what I was saying. As All of it? I- as, yeah, actually, most of it. At school, in English literature, Shakespeare's the first thing they throw at you. It's like, hey, this is the great British. Read this. And I remember reading, what was the first Somebody one? probably threw F. Fitzgerald at me, too, but I was just like, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go watch the Brady Bunch. I imagine it was. <laughs> it's the same regard, though, isn't it? It's the same kind of literature. It's the important oh, no, it literature not. you should be reading when you're a scholar. Uh, oh, you're not comparing them to each other. Okay. No. Um, But as far as I can gather, watching this movie, and uh, this is a simplified version of the story, no doubt. Uh, (laughs) The story is not particularly, um, you know, if if it boils down to the story, it's nothing new. And it's, well, I guess it would have been then. Was there a lot of novels about that then? About what? This story. What do you mean mean? about what? I'm talking about this the the story of (laughs) about what? I know. I'm saying. What are you saying? What novels about what? About a love story? Yeah. So every book. Why was it groundbreaking? Every story. Just the way it was written. I don't know because I've never read it. That's what I'm saying. And I was just reading, trying to read like the quick, like oh, let me get some backstory on, and I couldn't really get a grasp of why it was so. It said that he was very wordy, whatever that means, and... That's why a dude that I know at work, who reads a lot of books, we're sort of opposites, and uh, he's like, ugh, I've had to listen to people lick Fitzgerald's ass my whole life, and I'm so sick of it. So he doesn't think the same way everyone else does, so I think that's part of it, that it was like the... Like pop music. That's what of it feels like to me, even. Right. Like that a, it is, it was pulling the veil back, like it's the man behind the curtain of the 20s, where it was, you know, everyone was headed for a big train wreck, basically, in the 20s, as it planned out economy and the Wall Street and all that kind of stuff. And I think just peeling back the veil of the decadence and what we hear of. Because I don't know, I wasn't there, but I think it was maybe the one of it, one of few who did that in detail. Plus, they describe it as he was troubled, and he was kind of really verbose about everything. So yeah, I think that was the thing. yeah. Also, it sucked to be in the twenties because when King Kong came and did all that shit, that was bad news. That was nineteen thirty-three, but was it? Yeah, I thought it was twenty-six. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it, you know, when like, King Kong actually came to <laughs> yeah, New York. Yeah, remember that? It might have been earlier even. So the movie The Great Gatsby, uh, taking it aside from the book because we can't really comment on the book so much, the movie, uh, Baz Luhrmann movie. Now, when you talk about a Baz Luhrmann movie, you're talking about something fairly specific, I think. And I've seen a few of his movies and 
he is very style man. Like he's hopelessly romantic. Very romantic and very style is the the order of the day. Like. Absolutely. And this movie is absolutely that. It's a and it it fits because of the flamboyant nature of the twenties. It's over the top flamboyant. It's it's. It is, but it isn't. Luxurious. My, it's, it's, it feels big. My issue with it is, like, it doesn't feel big. So it's like all of this flash and pomp and circumstance crammed into a little box. Because I don't feel the scope of it. I don't feel that the mansion is humongous and the parties are humongous. I felt it was very... Con- con- um, what's the word when you're closed in? Claustrophobic. And I didn't feel the, the bigness of it all. Even when they show flashes of New York, I don't feel that grandness that he's trying to portray. See, I did feel that. But, in this... This movie's, like, full of um, CGI and green screen stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost so much of it that it feels a bit like Sin City. Like, people are... um, Yeah. Is that because of the 3D? It was to do with the 3D and also stylistic. I was just reading. He wanted it to feel kind of slightly odd. Like, it, it was, like... Gatsby's actual view of the world. Yeah, but it's in City because they take it to an artful level where it's like it's clear that it's it's like a woman standing in front of a comic book page or whatever and the colors go black and white with the yellow and all that. It's it's more like this is this is the comment I make about a lot of movies. It doesn't commit to me for me fully to style over substance. It's very stylized. The hair and the makeup and the outfits and the songs. And there's only like the one big production number. But yeah, it's visually, not. it's trying. But it doesn't just come... It's Then it comes to be grounded a bit. And then it goes back to being stylized. And then it's grounded a bit. I say, fuck it. Just like every single scene needs to be... Every single shot needs to be, like, a screenshot of, like, wild design. And it wasn't like that. So I felt like I was coming in and out of it. I, I like, like it when they... I can tell you something it. about this movie, and it's, it's a weird thing. It doesn't really happen to me very often. Um, I was watching it, and the opening part, you know, it starts off very stylized. It's very CG. It's very, you know, the camera moving back and forth. And I was like, oh, I think I hate this style. And yeah. then then some rap music came on. And I was like, oh, this is the 1920s. Where's, why is Jay-Z singing? <laughs> and then like 15 minutes in. You were sold on it. I hated that. I hated it. I was like, oh my, no. 15 minutes in, I was like, I understand this now. Absolutely. There was another movie you said almost the exact same thing about. Not recently, but in the past. There was, it was that. definitely... I was, I was almost ex- like, ugh, this you is You had the exact same... Oh my god, I'm going to have to go back and listen. Because you said the same thing. And I totally agree. I was like, oh, pretentious. Yeah, like this is oh, too wow. much. Like, the, the rap music? I don't... Like, I don't understand. And then it comes clear. Like it, Very clear it, that we're trying to portray a time that's out of step with us. So... And to put in your mind the... That, like, if we were to be watching a movie where it was a big, massive Hollywood party right now with Jay-Z music and people dancing the today's style, we would identify. And that's what that was of the time. So mixing that in there, and I don't mind it. I mean, I find it a bit pretentious, to be quite honest. But I got it. I think it's one... When I come to think of it at the end, and it's something Baz Luhrmann does well, Moulin Rouge also did the same thing. He Mm -hmm. took contemporary songs and put them into a... 
you know, tight period a, piece. A period, yeah, and it worked. Like there's Nirvana songs in there where you would be like, Ooh, yeah, but, but that, the, the thing about Moulin Rouge is it commits completely yeah, to the stylized thing, and it's a musical. So you, every two minutes you're getting a big number or your big costumes and everything. Whereas in this one, you get a little hint of the modern thing, and then it drifts back, and then it's. I kind of liked it though. That was the thing. So I was on the, <laughs> I was hating it, and then I was like, okay. And, and for the first 15 minutes, I was actually distracted by this, this stuff. Yeah. I was like, wow, that looks like bad green screen. There's Jay-Z. Ooh, this is bad. Like, And then I was got I got really sucked into Tobey Maguire's story. Like, Me too. And Tobey Maguire's... He's more of... I, he's I feel like he's a big part of this movie almost more than Leonardo. Like, I feel, to me, he's the main character. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I feel like he... I didn't expect Tobey Maguire to be the character, so I... I was like, okay, he's, he's a narrator at the beginning. Another thing that always makes me like, oh, yeah, are we going to frame really this movie flashback. in a flashback? Yeah. Or I'm telling a story and later you're going to try to decide whether it's me just being crazy or if I'm telling the truth or if I'm fabricating there shit. There's that too. Yeah, so I was like, oh, all of it was, I mean, I was looking forward to the movie. So I had, well, it wasn't like all down or like, you know, one would expect. But I was just like, no, 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 I wanted this to be... And then it started becoming that a little. I mean, I still have things about it that bother me, kind of attached to those things, but smaller and smaller. And then I got captivated by the story, even though it's not a new story at all. Man, man, it's not, it's men not, and women loving each other. It's and not even that interesting other. of a story. It isn't, except when we get to the cast. It's how people do stuff that yeah. made me like really and I think convinced. I also do think visuals like them or don't like them. Um, it's a love it or hate it, I think, this movie. I think it will really... People. Um, the visuals really... And the music play a huge part in it. Like, I was... It was half of the entertainment for me. Like, I was hearing songs and I was piecing together things. And your theory is because, oh, Baz Luhrmann realized this is a boring story, so I have to make it visually interesting. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. No, I don't think that's the case. But I, th- I think his visual style really adds to... Fairly to me, it black. adds. But I'll tell you what: if it had been made as a straight-up melodrama, I wouldn't have liked it. I would it? have liked it because I'd if it had I the same people have. acting, but stylized, but not with the mixture of super style, no super style, super style, no super style, I would have liked it too. Because as we get onto the cast, the performances just every few, every once in a while, I'll be like. <gasps> Now, there, there were that some, like, awesome. there were things that bugged me about the movie, and overall I really liked it. I thought it was a real fun kind mm-hmm. of look at this. But there were some visual things he did that just really got on my nerves. Like, uh, one was, like, the bellowing curtains in that room. Yeah, it was really just like, what is this shit? Like, it's just, it seems shit. Like, don't do that. The word like, pretentious came in my mind a lot. And then when we're watching extras, I'm like, yep, yeah, they are pretentious. So that's why. So there was some of that. And I know that's very Baz Luhrmann stuff. Like he, because in his mind, it's, there is a layer of reality in real life where the curtains flowing through yeah, the exactly. room the and the sexy woman laying on the couch. Yeah, and then he doesn't want anyone to poke a poke a pinhole in his little fantasy. No, it's like a dream. Yeah, yeah. and if the whole movie had just constantly fed me that, I would have been. But it was like flowy curtains. Oh, back down to reality. Yeah. Yeah, there, it wasn't always like that, no. and that's the thing. And then, obviously, some of that CG work. I think <laughs> it just looked really bad, but then I was like, I think that's what he was going for. He can, you can, he can say that, but that must You know when the cars were sure. driving alongside each other? 
And the motorbike driving alongside yeah. the car. Those and kinda, it kind of looked like a movie from the 30s and 40s as did. well. And that's why was. I was thinking, is it a bit of that? Like, he wanted it to be a, a little unreal, you know? But then again, you can also say that as the CGI is being done, and it doesn't look great, and you go, oh, I love it. I just love the style of it. Yeah, because it's, not, it's not like he can't drive a car down a real street. Yeah. And he didn't. But the CGI <laughs> is weird. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It, I think it was all pure, like, we want it to look a bit weird, like, because that's I disagree. Movie. I think they meant for it to not look weird, and when it did, they just accepted it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a really interesting movie, and it's a it's a longish movie, two and a half hours nearly. I liked that. I didn't. It didn't feel long to me at all. That, that was one of the things I thought about it. In fact, when the end came, I was like, "Holy shit! Is there not more to this?" Exactly. Because, like I say, the story is a little bit lackluster for me. There's a little the I'm, core I'm, of the story. I, I, you know, people are probably going, yeah, Colin Fitzgerald's story, lackluster, the movie version of the story that I only know. This version. Yeah, because... It doesn't seem much depth book, to it. The only depth... Are we going to talk about the cast now? No. Not yet. Very soon. Then I'm going to stop talking until you move on to the cast. But yeah, I, the only frame of reference I have is this version of the story, which is basically a movie. Which can't be as deep as a book. So, I'm sure the book is way more detailed. The movie is not detailed character-wise. Even though there are some good performances. So, moving on to the characters. Leonardo DiCaprio, one of my favourite leading blokes, plays Jay Gatsby. Every time I see him, he can't put a foot wrong for me. I just... I like the choices he makes. Well, the beach. There are moments of indulgence in this... That that's, the kind, idea, that's kind of weak. No, I don't mean that kind of indulgence. I mean, as in a little, I don't know, just a couple of moments when it was a little blank or something, really, very brief. And yet, there are moments when he's doing a thing, and I'm just like, oh, no wonder I've loved Leonardo DiCaprio. And no matter what anybody says, I am, I'm look forward to every single thing that he makes, and I look forward to ever seeing every when he comes on the screen because I want to watch that. That brow go down and those eyes kind of thinking behind, you know, like I was thinking about in 1926 and then up through the 30s, 40s, 50s, until we hit the 60s and 70s, we didn't get a lot of the depth kind of acting where the that behind the actor's face and eyes is actually them that method acting began, you know, it's about 50s, the 60s, 60s and 70s, yeah. So, I was thinking about in the 50s and 60s doing these types of movies, which there are lots of them. Lots of love stories and industry and, you know, they did lots of of turn-of-the-century movies where it was, like, big companies and, you know, love stories with secretaries and cheating on blah, blah, blah. And the acting was, you know, melodramatic. Wooden. Wooden a little bit, but also a little bit, like, kind of, I don't know, empty. They're going. They're they're saying. Well, in this scene, you're you're angry, and so they sort of put the anger on the outside. When you want, when I watch someone like Leonardo DiCaprio, he's whether you like it or not, he's churning in his mind about. Like I was thinking of Django. Whenever I when the movie was over and they and he was in an interview, I was like, and he does. He has the same face, you know, but he moves things and does things with what he's thinking about that character. At least that's what I think is happening. That may be just part of his eloquent acting that I... Oh, eloquent. I don't know if that's the right word. 
That's what I like about his performances. I'm convinced that in his mind, when he's doing a line or he's doing a scene, that he is trying to think from the inside out. And there's just these little things, like uh, putting his hand in his pocket and a little there's, shake of his head. And like, like it's not just scenes. like barrels in, does his lines, overacts, and goes away. And Tobey Maguire, similar. Well, there's two scenes there with Leonardo DiCaprio where um, I really like, where it's thought he went over and above, like, you know, he always does something special in every movie, as far as I can see. And in this one, it was... He lost his temper at one one time. That was obviously a, a really powerful scene. I could see... I think those people in the rooms were uncomfortable. Yeah, because they're... Like, reacting. genuinely uncomfortable with <laughs> Like it. in Django, when he cut his yeah. hand while he was doing the scene, because he just went ahead and, and went the, for it. And then there's the other scene where he's caught in... Where he goes to Tobey Maguire's house, <sighs> and he's uncomfortable about the fact yeah. of, of dating a girl. Like, the meeting with this girl, he's uncomfortable. And... It seemed like he really... It, it was... From the inside yeah, out. It right. wasn't just, I'm wearing this... Like, you know, you could go back to 1945 and have an actor doing that scene, and he would be almost comically right. caricature be wouldn't it? a little bit, and yet he does it with just, like, a tiny bit of that, because you're supposed to giggle at him be and be like, funny, yeah. why is he so nervous, this guy with, like, millions of dollars and all this stuff, and yet now we know his weakness. Every great man has a weakness, doesn't he? This is my problem with Fitzgerald in this story, and I don't care what era he was brought up in and what he when he wrote. It's like the poor freaking woman has to be the object of. He she opened like a flower for him. Yeah. Uh, oh my god! I was like, oh, I'm so glad I don't live in 1920. I mean, ugh. So that's a complaint. That's nothing to do with the performances. No. That, that was actually a line straight out of the book. I know. She yeah. opened for a flower like him. <laughs> really? Like, really? Yeah. Yeah, Does any man really hope that women just <laughs> open like a flower for them anymore? Maybe. maybe. I was going to say Baz Luhrmann, but probably not. So um, <laughs> Toby Maguire plays Nick Carraway, who is the writer of the... He's the framer of the story. Yeah. Um, and I... I'm, I've never been a, the biggest fan of him, but I really liked him here. Absolutely. Like, I, I mean, I like him as Spider-Man, you know? It's like the grown-up version of a dude who's performing a grown-up thing, whereas Spider-Man was a young young man doing sort of a... You, you know, know one, one thing I, I sit about guy. Tobey Maguire, he doesn't seem to age. He's very boyish, like. like he, he will. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking he's about. He's not very old. No, he's not, but, like, looking at him in this movie... And looking at him in a movie that I am going to recommend in my... It doesn't look that different. Like, it, it doesn't seem... I don't. I, you could say that about Leonardo DiCaprio as well. He, no, no, he ain't. They both age. I don't know what's wrong with you. They no, both I, age. Totally yeah, they right. do. If you look at like Spider-Man and you look at him now, he's aged... But anyway, his acting here is... Re- like, he is... He's really pulled back. Yeah. He doesn't... Because oh, he's the guy who's going, what the hell is wrong with these people? All the time, that's the expression, that's the, like... But he's what have curious I gotten about myself it. into? Yeah, and becomes protective of the situation. And he's a cousin to the girl's husband and, and all that stuff. He's also the next door neighbor. It's very convenient. A yeah, lot and he's you know he's got his own ambitions. And obviously, we are introduced to him as a wannabe Wall Street, whatever he wants to really be. He's ambitious, and now so he's intrigued. And but he does all that real well balanced. I think. Now, uh, Carrie Mulligan plays Daisy Buchanan, who's our leading lady here. Um, I, I, I really like her a lot. She's from Drive. Fantastic in Drive. She's got this very, like, quiet thing about her as an actress. 
Like all the parts that I've seen her do. And she was even in Doctor Who, wasn't she? In the uh, Angels yeah. Weeping one. Sometimes um, I'm, it's a little bit indulgent, like yet again I'll use that word, where because she's cute and pouty and has big sad eyes and she says or does something directly toward the camera that the director, and in this case a very sappy romantic director, just probably falls in love with, that on the surface seems really lame to me. There's lots of those little moments where it's like she needs to not be... And it went in and out. Then she had moments of complete, genuine, in the character, lightens up a little bit. But those little, when she's throwing out all those little um, hipster of the day, hip I feel like that's Baz Luhrmann, though. I feel like he wants that. Absolutely, he wants the leading absolutely. Lady looking at the camera and, and pouting, and he wants that, like that. Yeah, and the little quibby lines that she's supposed to be throwing yeah. out there that are very emblematic of the twenties, you know? 20s yeah, yeah. Chick, like. But then it goes away. You know, I know she's under stress and all that, but she doesn't keep up with that. It she sort of meander, uh, kind of softens up a little bit. But I like her overall. Um, Joel Edgerton, one of my, this is one of my favorite things in this movie. He plays Tom Buchanan. Um, he's an Australian actor. Who most a lot of people are not super familiar with, but um, he's fantastic. It's like that I didn't pa- like him at all at first. Like he- the first. 20 minutes of him being in it, I was like, oh my god. The sound was bad first. We didn't even mention this. The sound was really bad for a lot of the beginning part of the movie. Looping was horrible. Yeah, there was a bit of that. Really bad. In fact, out of sync almost at times, and the lips didn't match, and he's... Yeah, and and that's not the blue, it's the... uh, Yeah, and his his part, like when they do the looping over the top, and he's talking, it totally doesn't match the... The sound of it isn't, like, right... And yeah, well, it really temp- if you're not familiar with looping in movies, if they don't capture the sound right on the set, which they try to do, they get them in a sound booth to do it again. And a good sound mixer would put like environmental noise yeah. and stuff. But on here, it didn't this seem had like a it weird. Did. It did, but then it didn't quite. It's like something out of contrast with yeah. the rest of the uh, atmosphere. So then that threw. But me it was off. only the beginning. But and his expressions and the way he was didn't match the. I really liked his performance, though, from about... Later on, definitely. um, Especially the... When I said this is kind of like Breaking Bad. When he kind (laughs) of hit that point in his... uh, When he he was on to the Gatsby guy. Um, Yeah, because before that it was just a thug. Yeah. Like an obnoxious jerk. There was something about the way... And that that scene in the hotel room, the hot... Yep, yep. All of them. It's it's a it's a pretty amazing scene. It's almost worth seeing the movie just for that scene. It, I really enjoyed it. I think I think they all did a good job, and I think it was a, without it being like a violent thing. It's very violent. Yeah, like it feels the violent. threat of violence of two men who are supposedly in love with the same woman, yeah. and the awkwardness of everything that's at stake. And and this is not a violent movie. Huh. Yeah. That scene feels violent. It was it was funny because I was like I was totally like the tension uh, was like yeah. uh, somebody's gonna lose it. <laughs> um, and then I'd put down Elizabeth Debicki as Jordan Baker. She she was, she was right. really good. I wanted to put her down because I didn't know who she was and I was like captivated by her quite a few times. I was like, wow, she's really interesting. Like yeah. I don't, you know, and she plays the golf person I don't know the friend she's like a friend. famous she's golfer. her best friend of the girl woman yeah like in the time she's like a celebrity golfer um, I'll be honest I always thought the Great Gatsby was like a true story 
Until, I never thought until that. Until now. Not until now, now, but until my adult but years. that would be cool if you did think that. <laughs> and then watch this. <laughs> no, no. Until my adult years, I thought it was based on a true story. So directed by Baz Luhrmann, who we all know for... The most famous films of his are Romeo and Juliet, which was super stylized. I've never seen it. Well, it was... It was like the... Was it Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah. So, like, take Romeo and Juliet, and it's like Latin gang wars, like modern day. And it's rap music and Latino music, and, you know, it's very... But with Shakespeare language. Yes, and they all talk in Shakespeare language. So it it was very stylized. You'd either love it or hate it. You would probably hate it if you're a Shakespeare fan. It's It's like a... People compared it to, like, a Shakespeare pop video. Mm-hmm. at the time and then you've also got his other movie Moulin Rouge which was his musical which was also a mishmash of new and old and didn't he do something else yeah Australia with um I didn't see that one though I didn't either but those are his most famous he's only done those three in this one. Oh, really and he's done a bunch of shorts but I've never seen any of his shorts so what do you think of him as a uh, director um I mean he's very I like artsy thing. I like artistic ideas and like colorful and make it interesting visually and make that go with the story and keep, you know, all that stuff. I get it. However, I don't Moulin Rouge is I would say my He also favorite. did Strictly Ballroom, which I never actually saw. Um I would say of what I've seen, yeah, I've only ever seen Moulin Rouge. Um, you also saw... Um, no, you didn't You didn't see um, Romeo and Juliet, did you? I did not. So I'm going to say... If I were comparing, for example, two musicals, Moulin Rouge versus Chicago, I actually like the style of Moulin Rouge better because it really commits to being wild and wacky and, at the heart of it again, a like a floppy love story. You know what I mean? Like a tragic, tragic love story. Oh, yeah. Romeo and Juliet. They're all Romeo and Juliet, really, when you... Australia. I don't know what that one's about, except that it's about... I saw the trailer, and it's a a love story set in Australia. I mean, it's a a big uh, Gone with the Wind-style love story. But about the formation of Australia. Right. Or the founding or... So love is the heart of his thing. And I'm not a romantic kind of person. And his movies are super romantic. Right. I'm not a... I'm not the type of person who likes to focus on fantasy versus reality. I'm not the person who, just because I go and watch Star Trek for three hours in a row, or five hours, maybe more, depending on the day, it doesn't mean that I'm like, I'm in the bubble of Star Trek and I believe that I'm in the Delta Quadrant and all that kind of shit and everyone, reality sucks and I need to get lost in it. I'm more like, I'm on a couch and there's a TV and I'm watching Star Trek and it's awesome, but... I don't put myself in a bubble. I don't read Harry Potter and think I'm in the world. I don't watch these movies and get lost in the romance of it all. And I feel like that he that's him, like, pouring out of it. So, I enjoy it because it's a spectacle. And I love Leonardo DiCaprio. I, I can't emphasize enough. If he were to walk in and say to me, you have to ditch that guy and come with me, I'd be like... Well, only if you're acting all the time. Because <laughs> I don't know what you're really like. But I like your acting a lot. So if you can act 24-7, I'm going with you. Nice. <laughs> well, you could do worse. <laughs> um, I think Buzz Lerman is pretty unique And I will also say, I'm glad it's not a musical. Yeah. Because I, I got a little afraid at the beginning. I was like, have I just not known this is a musical and it's going to be a musical? I don't want it to be a musical. I've- I could have seen it being done like that, too. Me, too. And I yeah. was really... In the beginning, I got a little deflated with the whole thing. And I was like, no, no, no. 
okay, they're talking and they're talking and they're talking. Woo! Yeah, I'm glad it didn't. I'm glad he didn't do that. But he is quite unique, I think. Uh, if you look at his body of movies, I can't think of other movies like him. And he, he's definitely got a like a, a rose-colored spectacles view of the world. And, and so does how, the guy who did Love Actually, but I love Love Actually. I, th- I actually think Richard Curtis, I actually think he, I was just going to say if I had to compare similar. him to him, <laughs> yeah. I would compare them both because... Visually different. Very visually different, but in an idea, it's very, like, this is the perfect look at something. You can imagine the long discussions they have about the feelings of the characters and all that kind of stuff, and that feeds what you end up seeing, which I don't dislike it at all. I like getting, you know... I kind of get sucked into the, you know, the, like I said, the spectacle of it. So this has a bunch of special features, and they're actually quite good um, for the Blu-ray. There's um, the 1926 The Great Gatsby trailer, which we found out from uh, some research we did after we watched it, that it's you cannot see that original movie. But that is the only footage the that trailer can be is all that's in existence. That we know. I mean, it might exist, but no one can find it. Yeah, so you, we were like, oh, let's go and yeah. take a look at the... Because it's probably free somewhere. I love watching movies from the teens and the 20s. So and the, the original version of The Great Gatsby, as, as far as, as anybody know. knows, does not exist on celluloid. It's not on film anywhere. Like, there's no way of seeing it. That which, we know of. Which surprised me, because I th- always thought it was a movie that... But I'm convinced that somewhere in a closet it'll somewhere... It'll show up someday. Antiques Roadshow, somebody's going to roll up with it and slap it on Imagine a table. how much that would be And worth. the movie guy's going to go... Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> So what we have here is The Greatness of Gatsby, which is follow director Baz Luhrmann. And it's, yeah, it's quite good, actually. He's talking about, mm-hmm. like, the, how the idea came to him, which is a, a story... Which was interesting. He wasn't reading the book; he was listening to it. But there's still the whole story of how the movie and that that footage of those photographs he took at that swimming pool yeah. full of grass. You know, it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, then there's uh, with within and without with Tobey Maguire. And what happened here was Tobey Maguire did like a vlog on the set. Um, what do you mean he posted it every day? That's a vlog. Well, no, they they gave him a. I was just. I wouldn't say it's a vlog, but I say it was a vlog style. He just has wandering around the set with a handheld camera, videoing like just anybody. It doesn't need a name. Right. I was just trying to give some people something to. But vlogging means you actually log it and tell people about it, which he did not. It was just in. I think he did actually. I was just. It was on the website of this movie. He posted videos as he went along. He's really into. Facebook and YouTube. Behind the scenes stuff right. for sure. And it was, I like And that. it's filmed by him, not, it's not like some professional movie crew going around. He's got a little camera and he Well, he said that one guy behind him was the camera guy. So he gave him the camera. He said he was the camera guy for the movie. He was the DP on the movie. Oh, was he? Yeah, that's who he oh. was. He was. He was just saying that. But he handed him his camera. Yeah, that, it was a, he was being All right. funny. But um, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, you don't see that very often. We did just see it recently on The Evil Dead, where, yeah. they, where she went around the set. But um, there's also the swinging sounds of Gatsby, which this this movie is like a lot about music. There's a lot. The music is quite important to it. Okay, you're gonna say it's important. I'm gonna say there are times when it's really intrusive for me. And I said that because I well. found it was really obnoxious. But I actually the, really the liked it. it. On the windowsill outside, I, I was yeah, like, but, "Oh my god!" But they wanted to influence some jazz. I don't care. Some... It was really that one thing was really obnoxious. Being I... in a jazz club is cool, but to have that so stereotypical image of a dude sitting on a fire escape. 
cool. I liked how that felt, though. I liked that. It gave me the feel of like a live city. Like it didn't it, to me because it, it doesn't it wasn't reality. Well, we differ on that one. But Not, yeah, the, then again, we have our own trumpet player who comes out. In the, <laughs> she doesn't play jazz. <laughs> but the music's pretty important in this movie, as in all Baz Luhrmann movies. It's popular music infused with jazz music from the time. Um, and it's, I'm not a big fan of jazz, I must say. I'm sure that will offend some people, but I have went through my phase in my 20s when it was like, oh, that's cool, we're going to the bar and they're playing jazz and everybody's, you know... I was kind of into it, but I never got into it like, yeah, jazz, you know, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> but I just don't see the overall appeal unless you're slightly troubled. And if you're not into jazz, or drunk, this movie's not about, it's more about like modern day music than it is jazz. So, And it was, there's, who's the guy? Brian Ferry from Roxy Music did Love is the Drug in a jazz style. Um, and their whole band thing right now is turning modern music into, into 20 jazz. sounding and now they mix that with the movie and Florence and the Machine uh, Florence from Florence and the Machine does one of the songs they, they, who's the XX did you know who they were yeah I've heard of them before and Lana Del Rey did one of the songs I love that last part that last song um, but yeah and Jay-Z and Beyonce there's a lot of songs in there um, so yeah if you're not a jazz fan most of it isn't jazz there's hip hop there's R&B there's all kinds of music mixed in which I thought yeah that's why when the jazz comes in I'm like ugh and I really liked the um I I I really like music in movies I've made a point of saying that a lot of times and I like the featurette of the artist talking about the music and, and the director who I can tell is absolutely into music talking about why music's important for the movie uh, and he really did it I thought and I, like I say, when I was watching the movie, I thought, this is the wrong choice. This music is the wrong choice. You mean the first few minutes? Yeah. Just that vibe of music didn't... I was like, oh, my, this is disconnect. But it is not after you... Well, it wasn't for me anyway. It worked. So now you have to watch it again so that you can come in with a different point of view. Yeah, and not have the first 15 minutes really jarring to me. Because they wouldn't be, would they? This time you'll go, I get it. Um, there's also Razzle Dazzle, the fashion of the 20s, so you can see how the costumes were made. This is in direct relation to the other day. You said to me, what's a flapper dress? Yeah. I, so when we saw one, I said, there's a flapper dress. There's Gatsby Revealed, which is a look into the actor workshops and rich creative process. And there's also um, Fitzgerald's Visual Poetry, which there's like a, it's a TBS, what is it? PBS? PBS. PBS. <laughs> It's like a 15-minute excerpt from a documentary that the director recommends you should watch. It's about New York. Um, well, it was mixed up there. It was. It was it different was mixed. things mixed together. Something about Some things about Fitzgerald specifically, and then other things about New York City and turn of the century. But I think in terms of extras, it was pretty good. Um, I love the, the slip It was cover. just the right amount for me. The slipcover on this movie, even though it's like a you know, pretty ordinary movie poster, the Art Deco gold... Thing I would love that as a poster. Like um, I love Art Deco style. I would give me the Art Deco and take him off of there. Yeah, it's Leonardo. And just Leonardo so everyone knows, stuff. I don't like slope covers. I think they're bullshit. Well, I, I, I don't mean. So. I, I, I know. I'm just. I mean the I'm making a cover. statement to people who've never listened to us before, just so they know my stance on the slip cover situation. I think I, it's a waste of resources. And what I'm saying is, I like the design. I don't of, care about that. I'm just telling them. I know, I'm saying I like the design of the uh, slipcover because I, th- I I assume that's the movie poster and I really like it. It just looks 
the part, the gold lettering, the embossed. Yeah, we get it, but it's more important that I don't like slipcovers. It's not important about <laughs> what you think about it. <laughs> and if no one noticed, if you didn't say earlier, we're married to each other. So uh, I might explain a lot. In conclusion, it, oh, it also looks really good on Blu-ray. But like you said, there was, that's not a Blu-ray issue, that the looping is weird. No, no. Because the movie's like that. And the right? look of it isn't. It's just, if you watch it in 3D, I'm sure it looks completely different. Are you going to watch some of it in 3D? I, you have to get a different version for the 3D. There is a 3D release of this, but we got the 2D version. Um, so no, I won't be watching <laughs> The 2D version. Instead of just like, we got... Actually, funnily enough, the Blu-ray... Um, because this movie, there was I a lot... I imagine The Great Gatsby being like a 2D video game. <laughs> well, there was a lot of emphasis on 3D um, yep. for this movie. And I can honestly say, the 2D version we just watched, there are scenes that look three-dimensional. Especially that introduction. Yeah. And the, they, it actually looks three-dimensional anyway, without it being scenes. in 3D. Those aren't scenes, though. Well, there are scenes. It's the opening credits, the whole credit sequence, yeah, where all the dancers are and the buildings are popping up. Oh, I disagree. I didn't think it looked any more three D than any normal movie. Well, what I'm saying is, I could tell that I, I actually didn't know that this movie was filmed in three D, and I was watching those opening credits, going, "I bet this is three D." Oh, see, I just thought, and then looked, I went and checked. And I just a thought 3D it looked version. bad. <laughs> no, I went and looked. And then afterwards, and, I'm like, "Oh, that is." But I can imagine how this movie looks in three D. It's very layered, and it is very specific with his shots. And I can imagine that party scene, there's probably lots of depth and layers to it. So yeah, you can see it in 3D. What and I really, really hated about in the whole movie was that dancer guy with those dancer ladies. Yeah, but that's very of that time. I don't care. It was like really obnoxious. I was like, oh, like oh Scatman. calm down. I like the girls with the funny costumes, but that guy was just like... He wasn't a Scatman, he was just like nutso. That's what they call it, Scatman, don't they, that dancing? Huh, I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah, I think they but do. I didn't like it. Yeah. In fact, I was like, Ugh, get it over, get it off, get it See, off. See, I did off. like it because it, it I like brings the rest me to of everything, time. but not him specifically. Ugh. Oh, just something about him, like you. He was just like too. Yeah, but that's. I'm that. doing it. That's that. That's <laughs> I know. What it is. I hated it. Nobody else was like that. Just him. <laughs> yeah, but you have to have one of those at your party. <laughs> you're in your twenties, don't you? There's also like a really mega racist scene. Absolutely. In this. And it's really. Um, Everyone, everyone yeah. seems like, oh. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It is horrible. Uh, but it is pointing to a reality that may be more prominent in the book that we're not aware of as right. well. So in conclusion, I, I think it's a really enjoyable movie, but I can definitely see that it would devise like people. There'll be, there'll be definitely people who will be like, uh, that was absolutely horrendous, what was that? Yeah, there'll be people who in the first 15 minutes will just turn it off. And there'll be people who... It was a grow. It was growing on me. I was watching it, and like I said, when it came to the end, I was like, "Oh, really? Is that at the end?" Like I was. Yeah. So yeah, it's an interesting movie. I um, I don't recommend it to everybody because I definitely is polarizing. I agree. Yeah. But um, very few people would I recommend it to actually that I know would appreciate. I know it people for what would it appreciate. It, I think. Very, not many though. Yeah, um, and I appreciate most movies. Oh. Aside from some, um, they give the green light to Ted 2 this week. So will, will you be watching that one? Give that one a miss. If you say I have to, I guess I will. But chances are, if I could unwatch Ted, I would because it's a piece of shit. Just so anyone I would unwatch lots of movies. Anyone separate. out there who disagrees Not just with that me, one. you're just wrong. I don't know how else to. I had to break. I'm going to break it to you gently. It's crap. It's not funny. It's not anything. I watched that movie with Cool Duder in it. Can't remember what it was called. Oh my god. 
Was it, it better than Ted? No. no. <laughs> Ted was like an Oscar masterpiece compared to it. <laughs> oh, my God. And I, 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 honestly, I don't say this much about movies, but that movie with Cooler and I forget its name, like Spring Break, some, some bullshit. <laughs> I really would like my mind, if I, I couldn't wipe my mind of it, because it's that bad. I just watched a science video about how they're, find, they're finding memories in the brain and figuring out what memories are there and if they can maybe in the future turn off them. Yeah, I'd turn that bit off. No problem. <laughs> so With laser, bad. by the way. Laser lights. So you have a little laser thing stuck to your head and it would like turn off that memory for you. Perfect. <laughs> You'd be like, for, fine, do a little... See, this, <laughs> the future is, I need to do a search for Cool Duder and could you please erase all references to Cool Duder? <laughs> all references to any movies that he's in. Now that I think of it, I have an ex-husband that I could turn that little feature on for. Um, probably some things I've done in my 20s I could do that for. A few movies, but not many. Yeah, yeah. I think that you'd, there'd be more movies than you think when you think back about it. <laughs> uh, all right, so um, contest. If you want to win some Blu-rays, go to com. We've got um, New World, King of the Streets, The Guillotines. Oh, The Guillotines. All for... You can win them all on Blu-ray this week. Just go up there and uh, answer the questions. Next week's Blu-ray review is Michael Bay's new movie, Pain and Gain. So uh, we'll be looking at that. Marky. You love Michael Gay. Michael Gay. Michael Gay. <laughs> and like Michael Gay. Uh, you love Michael Bay, by the way. Yeah, it's a funny thing to say. I don't. I really do like Michael Bay I movies, know. and it's like a guilty pleasure because most people would go Michael Bay movies. Ah, because he is like very. He's sort of the opposite of M- Malik. Yeah, he's absolutely <laughs> the opposite. Yeah, and you love them both. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't help it. I love Armageddon, and I can't help it. I really like the Transformers movies, aside from there's lots of faults, but I do like them, you know. No, apolo- no apologies necessary. Don't put apology in your voice, because you like them, that's the way it is. Yeah. I like all Star Trek series. I like Deep Space Nine, I like Voyager, I like Enterprise, and everyone who doesn't can kiss my ass, because don't tell me that's bad. I'm telling you, I like it, except for when I tell you that Ted is bad. That is real truth you have to believe but don't tell me that i like you don't you know don't tell me that i can't like malik at tree of life but I, and at the same time i can't like armageddon because there are different things about them that it's just whatever catches you isn't it like uh, i've found like armageddon yeah. it just if you have a nice scope it. of things that makes movies so much better yeah then if you're just constantly looking for a stupid and you can't us. like everything. I've found that. You yeah. Just, you really can't. I can find things to like, but I can't Exactly. Like there are things that I try to find in movies. No, I mean, there are things I like about Ted. Just certain things where I was like, this that's kind of funny or whatever. No, they like were. A, like I can't a, say like I absolutely hate it. Like a chair sitting in a room in a background or something, maybe? <laughs> a door that's... No, I mean, it's just not my thing, that movie. And I don't... Some people love that movie and I can see... I can, you know... Saying, like, it's not my thing is, like, really high praise for it. Well, I'm, I'm saying not letting it I can see, <laughs> I can see why people like things. Anything, really. Even the dumbest, stupidest shit ever. Even that cool dude movie that I just talked about that I don't even know the name of. It's that... Some people just like How that. about Sharknado? All that. I don't know anything about it. I think people... Uh, what I mean, that, that's made as it. a bad movie. They've made a bad movie for the... For the fun factor. For the fun factor and, like, a, a cult... And I haven't seen it yet, so I might I might watch it and be like, oh my god, that's awesome. I mean, I a know. cult audience... Sure. 
it ends up as one of those movies that people know it's bad, but it's fun to watch, right? Like Evil Dead. Yeah. The original. The original, yeah. <laughs> so, um, moving on to movie year. What is movie year? Movie year is, you say movie, I say the year. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's a very enthusiastic interpretation <laughs> of our game. I want to get on to the game. All right, movie I forgot year. mine. Oh, as usual. Oh, no, I didn't. I remembered it. Right, Mad yeah. Max. Mad Max, 1976. Mad Max. Starring? Mel Gibson, 1976. Are you committed to that answer? Yes. That is incorrect. (laughs) Don't look at me like that. I need the answer. 1979. Really close. You were very close. But the thing is, I don't think of that as a 70s movie. I need to watch it again because it probably does have the 70s vibe. It absolutely does. And I don't remember. The original. Yeah, and I don't remember. I have to watch it again. Mine's Pleasantville. Um. I'm going to say 1998. That's exactly right. Oh, my God. It has been so long since I got one right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, maybe last week. I don't know. (laughs) Did I get it right last week? I don't remember. There you go. Got it right. Because I was thinking it was right around the... Right around the time of all the special effects kicking in and stuff. It's a fantastic movie. So moving on to movie recommendations, my first one is Pleasantville. (laughs) Shocking. (laughs) Stars Tobey Maguire. Um, Oh yeah, I forgot. It's a fantastic movie. There's nothing like this movie. There's been nothing since like it. And Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Um, It is a... Joan Allen. It's an amazing movie. It really is. It's like unique. I can't think of anything else like it. Does it still look like it did then? I mean, to your eyes yeah. after all these years. It's a, yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie. Everybody should see it if you've not. I, I think it was overlooked at the time. No, it got some Academy Award nominations, didn't it? I don't think it did. Uh, Fiona Apple did the uh, Across mm-hmm. the Universe song for it. Um, that's how I found the movie. I saw the music video of Fiona Apple on TV, and I was like, what is this movie? movie? They're in a diner. Um, like mm-hmm. a 50s diner and there's like fruit flying through the air in like slow motion and I was like what is it I love this song it's the Beatles um, but what's this video and then I realised it's the vi- the videos portions of Pleasantville playing behind her like I was like oh alright and that's how I ended up seeing the movie awesome movie do you realise when you when all that happened in your life you didn't even know I existed no I did not it was about a year before I met you Correct. You two years, but close enough. And my second movie is the... No, I don't know if I saw it when it first came out. The second movie is The Aviator, which is Leonardo Fabulous. DiCaprio. Which is another, like, excess kind of... Mm-hmm. The story of but how But grounded it fully in reality. There's yeah. no major style over substance there. It is played out as a drama. It's beautiful. It's well done. It's intriguing. It's really good. It's Stop another... Him. He really gets... Into these characters, I think. And from, our, from my perspective, I think he does. I'm not in his head, but... So they're mine from this, for this week. And mine are. Because I, thought, I was trying to think of something else that scoped a, pay, a, ban, a, a span of years in terms of someone's life epic. And the Gone with the Wind just popped into my head. Because it's surprising to me, when I first watched it, it goes over a span of many years. And it is epic, and it is melodramatic, and at the heart of it, it is also a basic story. And yet it's just swimming in all of these other details. I've never seen it. We need to watch it. And then my other one is uh, the other Great Gatsby from 1926. There's also a 70s Because you can't watch it. 
So I have to change that. I put that down there before I knew it didn't There's exist. There's the one from the 70s. Yeah, but that one I wouldn't recommend. Um, so I don't have another recommendation. I'm going to say Pleasantville because it's really good. It's got Tommy McGuire in it. It looks really good. <laughs> it <is> really <laughs> it's got, uh, Amy, I was going to say Amy Winehouse, but uh, Fiona Apple. Why Correct. would I associate them with each other? I don't know. I associate Fiona Apple with Paul bad, Thomas Anderson. a bad girl. Because he was, uh, I don't, were they married? Yeah, they were married. I don't think so. They were just boyfriend and girlfriend. He actually made a music video for her um, a few weeks ago because I subscribed to Paul Thomas Anderson's How fan grown club. up of them. And uh, yeah, he made a music video. It was really good. It's like a, she makes some really awesome music. And it's uh, it's just like her voice and a drum. And the video is really... the artsy kind of music Definitely person. very artsy. I like that. Like Bjork. Like do you that. have that late, her latest? I do not, but I will definitely get it. Cause mm-hmm. After hearing that song, I thought it was really cool. Um, so, games and A. Scully stuff this week. I've been playing a lot of, and I've already talked about it, so I won't very much, but Dragon's Crown on the Vita. Um, it's, one of, it's one of the... I like big butts and I cannot lie. My uh, Amazon lady does have a massive butt. <laughs> yeah. She's got such All a I big butt. All I can see when I look wasn't. at your little screen is like, look at that big butt going across there. <laughs> yeah, it's got very odd character artwork, let me say. Like, boobs are massive, butts are massive. It's like her hip and butt. Like, yeah, it's really weird, the animation when she walks. Like, and her arm's like... It's like, you, it's like you could put a cup on the top of her butt and it would stay there. On her walked. hip, yeah. She's got a shelf hip. But um, it's a really awesome game. It's pretty much like Diablo. Um, on the PC, like you, but it's side-scrolling, so it's like Golden Axe meets Diablo. So it's like you walk along, you kill stuff, you get stuff drops out of the things, and, and it's loot that you can use. So like it might be a new axe that's slightly better than the axe you've got, and it's that kind of. Oh, I just want to do it one more time because yeah. I might get the axe that sets people on fire this time. So it has that. You just want to keep picking it up and doing it again. Like, and I, I can't put it down. I've got like twenty hours into it. It's. And but it's, it's not as good as Diamond Dash, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's very addictive. And, and you know what exactly. I've when I, when I was going to buy it, um, it's on the PS3 and the Vita, and I would I could have bought it on either. I knew that I would play it more on the Vita. It's one sure. of those things. Like, like, I was like, well, I'd buy it on the PS3, and then only when I sit down to play it would I end up playing it. But on the Vita, you can just go, oh, I fancy a game. Pick it up, sit there for ten minutes, put it oh, down. Oh, i got to go for a crap. I'm going to take it with me. And I've literally done I'm that. I'm going to lay played. in bed for a while and play. Oh, I'm going to sit in front of my double-monitored computer while it does a thing, and I'm going to sit and play. Oh, I'm going to sit on the couch. And I've we're played watching, it in the couch. We're watching a TV show, and we've paused because my wife has to go take a pee, and I'm going to sit here and play this game for five minutes. Right, so I end up playing <laughs> lots more of it, and i played it in the car. We're going to pick up it. our nephew from school. Yeah. I'm going to take my Vita with me. So I find there's certain games that a handheld platform it really works on it because it's very short bursts of gameplay you can play for five minutes and then put it down and because the Vita has the sleep mode where you just press the button and it has nothing to do with big butts and big boobs uh, I like the I like big <laughs> fair enough yes I know I just made a record I can, I can attest to the truthfulness of that statement so but yeah, Dragon's Crown on the Vita I highly recommend it it's also on the PS3 if you haven't got a Vita the other game I've been playing this week is Papers, Please, which <laughs> is about as far away from Dragon's Crown as you could possibly be. And it's the reason I bought this game is it's a guy from NeoGAF. He's a one-man Which outfit. most people don't know what that is. It's a, a website gaming forum. forum. And he's like a one-man outfit who made this game. And this game is about, in 1982, 
you are a um, passport control officer in 1982 in a communist country. And it's very depressing, the, the game from the outset. You know, you're, there's a lottery in the, in the country. And if you win this lottery, you become a passport control person. They actually see it as like an honor for you to be that. And it's the worst possible job you could possibly imagine because it's got that much of a weight on the job that you can be killed by the by the guards making for making decision. mistakes, right? So not only that, your, your child family might can die, die from starvation, right? Because you're only describe paid. it. Describe it though. Let me describe it. What it looks like? Yeah, it's just flat on the screen. There's nothing deep. There's no nothing going on except it looks like it's eight bit. Almost. A desktop, like a desktop with the person down in the left corner, like a real flat graphic. And then you've got paperwork that's kind of stuck around on it. Yeah, it kind of reminds you of what, like, a really old Yeah, like a Commodore 64 game, it looks like. Yeah, or are there any even Facebook games that look like that? It looks old. But it looks awesome. But it kind of fits. Yeah, it's really interesting looking. And, you know, so you're this passport control officer, and the very first day, it's like, you can only let people in from this country, no foreigners. So that's relatively easy. You, like, you can only let people back into our country. Right, so you look at the passport, you go, this is a passport for our, for our country, let them in. Oh, this is a foreigner, deny. And they, what you have to do is stamp it approved, stamp it denied. And then throughout the game, it gets more and more complicated because there's an outbreak of polio at one point and everybody needs a certificate that they've been immunized. You have to check that. You have to check dates. You have to check the photograph against the person to make sure... Sometimes the person, you look at the person and it's quite clearly a man with a beard and on the passport it says female. And then you ask them the question because you can interrogate them. It says on your passport you're male and they say, like the document says. <laughs> and that's all they say to you. So then right. you're like, what's right? And what's then if wrong? you make the wrong decision, that person might walk in with a bomb or some other disease or something. And, and you'll then you get, get a citation fired. and the citation means you're dock some money when you get home at the end of the day and you have to pay for your food, your rent and your heating, you might not be able to afford it. Meaning your family start to starve and get cold and eventually die. So it's this horrible situation. And the only way of winning out is to be better at the job, more accurate, never make a mistake. And then there's a story, overall story, of you're approached by some people who want to overthrow the government. And your dilemma is, do you help? Do you not help? There's various people who approach you at different times and there's dubious decisions you have to make. Do you make them? And sacrifice, like, food for your family that day, but, like, feel like you did good letting a person through who needed to come in there. It's, it's, How many times have you finished that? I've finished it uh, three times now. Uh, three <laughs> different outcomes. My last playthrough, because I'm getting quite good at it speed-wise, I had quite a good outcome. But there Have you ever me- done like every bad decision? But then yeah. again, bad decisions will end the game right the away. The bad right? decisions pretty much end the game straight away, yeah. So if you let like the wrong person in and it's like a terrorist, that might be the end of the game completely. Because they, they say, well, we can't allow terrorists. You get locked up for life or put in front of a firing squad and shot dead. So it's very depressing the entire time. But when you do actually... The story really twists and turns. I was actually surprised for a game that looks, like you say, yeah. so basic. 
it's very involved and deep. And I played 17 hours of it according to Steam. So it's not, you know. <laughs> oh, I could tell. I'm pretty. I live with you. I know how many hours you spend doing stuff. I, I sent a tweet to the guy who made it because just this one guy, and I said, if you make DLC for this game, like a new mission, like a new country or a new, you know, the game's already a new in place. Situation. I would literally buy it in an instant because it's that compelling to me. Like it's interesting, you know. But like, don't change it. No, like, that's how I feel about Plants vs Zombies. Yeah. Don't freaking change it. Don't change it at all. Just give me more of the same. Yeah. I don't need change. I need more. I, I was just thinking like a mission pack. Like, uh, you know, yeah. Even if it's the same country, just a different scenario is going on. Different outcome. Different. Or a whole different country would be interesting too. Yeah, and, and different documents, you know, just they look different. So you're not. Or maybe of, the guy letting people out of the country? Is there another guy letting people out and no. you're letting people in? No, there's no letting out. People just freely leave? In the communist country. But it's interesting, gay. <laughs> I don't think that's right. And there's even some... I don't think there's a gate somewhere where people are flocking out of a communist country. No. And there's even some shooting involved. Because at one point, they give you... A, the, the government say, we're going to give you a gun to keep behind the counter. Because terrorists come in occasionally, and we can't provide guards everywhere because it's costing us too much. So you, as this guy, has to... Bureau- bureaucrat. Yeah, you have to look at these papers in detail, and if somebody comes, shoot them. Like, like that's the part of your job. And if you don't do that, like, you're, we'll kill you. It's really grim, and it sounds horrible, but it's really fun. I can't say why it's fun, because you're checking dates, you're looking at people. It's kind of like just anything, like a little burger joint game, yeah, or like lemonade that. stand, or Planes vs. Not Planes vs. Zombies, but like a business game where you're balancing. Sims, it's a simulation. Yeah, it's like, yeah, but a simulation of something you would never think of. Yeah, so, yeah. papers please, it's on Steam now. Um, you're giving money to a good... This dude's really cool, he answers all your questions on In fact, Neo you Gath- found a glitch, you emailed him, and within like a couple hours he fixed it and sent an uploaded... An updated on Steam, yeah. Which is amazing that yeah. people can do that this this day. I, there was a, actually a spelling error mm. in the game. I sent him a screenshot, and within an hour he'd fixed it for everybody, which is cool. Because, uh, you know, crazy, isn't it, what they can do nowadays? Because you wouldn't... If I sent EA and said, there's a spelling mistake in Dead Space, do you think that would get fixed? No. no never. Okay. No. Maybe. Six months down the road with some pack of something. So that's games for this week. And the gaming drought, as they call it, the summer... There's not many games during the summer, as you know. There's been a few, but not a lot. But it kind of comes to an end this week, because on Tuesday, there's three new games coming out. The first one's Saints Row 4. That's out on Tuesday. The second one's XCOM The Bureau, which I love the XCOM games, so Mm -hmm. I'd definitely be getting into that one, seeing what that is. the one with aliens. Yeah, exactly. But this is like... uh, You know, that's the aliens, and it's the turn-based... Yeah. Yeah, well, this XCOM The Bureau is an actual story, uh, like an Uncharted-type uh, third-person <laughs> adventure. So it's taking the XCOM universe, but making a different kind of game. But I'm interested to see what that is, because I like, I like the X-Files. I like the idea, yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's aliens coming to the Earth. Speaking of X-Files, you've been watching it. I have. And the third game that's coming out this week is Splinter Cell Blacklist, which is the new Splinter Cell game. And, um, you know, the new... Uh, the first appearance of um, the new Splinter Cell dude. They've got Not rid of Sam. Michael Ironside. Sam Shepard. Sam Fisher. <laughs> well, it's still Sam Fisher, but they got rid of Michael Ironside for the voice and they put in... Um, Somebody who imitates him really, really well? It's, it's Kiefer Sutherland, I think. Really? Yeah. They got somebody... Fi- like. But somebody- they can't be the same guy then. 
I think Kiefer Sutherland's actually going to be Metal Gear Solid dude as well next time. What the hell? He does have a good voice. Yeah, he's gruff, like, gruff sounding. So they're the three games that are coming out on Tuesday. I'll talk about them next week. And just finally on a, on my Games and A-Schooly stuff, Breaking Bad came back on Sunday. That show is effing amazing. In fact, and this is how my family kind of operates, we're not all in this time of very sad things. And on a day that was particularly sad, we were at the funeral home. We were all sitting and waiting to my young cousin, who happens to be the aunt of the young girl who passed away, turned to me. And we were waiting for quite a while, and we were all just talking, and kind of casual talking. You have to, like, decompress in between the horrible moments. And she turned to me, and her eyes got real big, and she goes, Breaking Bad. <laughs> and she shut, nodded her head, and I just nodded my head, and I said, we'll talk about it later. And she's just like, oh, yeah. So it was like a little moment of, like, something outside of that moment. And I was like, oh, you watch Breaking Bad. And then so now I told her we would let her know every week. So I came back on Sunday, and I was like, you know, they left it on a, quite a big cliffhanger. And I thought, well, what I really love about Breaking Bad is... They don't string you along week to week. No. They really just throw things down on they the just, table. Yeah. yeah. And and I don't think other shows do that. And I think that's sometimes what's annoying about TV shows. Two shows in particular that we do watch that you said, how can I even Dexter watch? does it. Dexter does it and True Blood does it. True Blood's really good this year, though. It's much I, better. Yeah. I, I, and I Dexter was, was much better this week than it has been. It was. Hannah's But I'm still not convinced on Dexter yet. I said, get rid of that lady. And I gotta I like say, Hannah, that, but I, I think this year's True Blood is one of the best ones I've seen because it's, it's like, it's almost like they've embraced how bananas it is and not true and not straddling like, oh, we've got to be serious. We're sometimes. not brooding anymore. It's just, just bananas now. Like yeah. it's and, and it's good for that. Like, Rook but Howard. there are moments when you're like, oh, and then there are moments because I like the Eddie Duf- or the Dufresne guy, the sheriff. It's really, not, you know, there's been some good stuff. I like the baddie. We're not saying it's top quality. No, it's not. <laughs> We're just saying it's entertaining. It's better in a than way it has been in the last year, few years, at least, and it's just more interesting now. Like the last two seasons, I uh, struggled with them. Like just to- you also didn't really like the Suki story, and she's a little bit she's in it, but she's not. It's not that brooding love story anymore. No, so. it's, I think it's just interesting now. Because you like Pam and Eric, so they're a lot. They're a big deal, and I like I like fairies, vampire fairies. <laughs> Well, that's brand new, so yeah. I, Plus, I, mean, I mean, I like where they're going. Like, it's like, oh, really? Like, it's... See, to me, it's like, oh, really? But then, it just the got better. possibilities of that, and and obviously, Rutger Howard is fantastic. Then again, where else were they going to go with it? I, I don't what know. What other creature I, could you invent? I don't know, but Rutger Howard's character is one of the best things. And Rutger Howard, he's like, since Sober with a Shotgun. <laughs> I love that movie, and I loved him in it. What about Hitcher? You always forget Hitcher. Yeah, I'm just thinking... Scary as hell. We didn't see him for the longest time, and then he kind of came back on our screens. Like, I'm so glad he's in True Blood. He's, he's not great or anything. Don't pretend he's great. He's quite lackluster a lot He of the really time. fits this role, and he fit Hobo with a shotgun, too. He kind of hobbles along a little bit sometimes. But, yes, it's so But awesome. it's Rutger Hauer. And I love probably, how he runs They're probably all like, oh my god, we've got to have Rutger Hauer. Oh my god, we've got Rutger Hauer. And I love how he... Um, what's he called? Her brother. Runs after Jason. Him, shouting at mm-hmm. like, Grandpa, Grandpa, Grandpa Fairy. <laughs> like he just accepts everything. <laughs> I've always liked Jason, though. I must be honest. Right. After the first few episodes of the very first season, I ended up liking Jason. So that's True Blood talk for this week. Sid talk. <laughs> What's for dinner? 
Uh, we're having leftovers because I don't really feel like cooking anything new. So it's pasta and stuff and then some vegetables and homemade cookies, by the way. Okay, here's the thing about marriage. My husband, you, walk in the kitchen yesterday. I have flour, sugar, bowls, eggs, everything's sitting out. You walk there. You talk to me for a minute. I've got a glass. You've got your glass of water. You talk to me. I'm stirring. I'm doing this stuff. You go back in to play your video game. Later, I give you the cookies that I just baked, and I said, my mother said something, my mother came in, coming to stay for the night, oh, you made homemade cookies, and you go, are these homemade? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm thinking, I know, you were standing, and I don't bake all the time, it's not like it's like the counters, the counter is usually completely 100% clear. I thought you were making dinner, I was like. <laughs> no, you didn't, you didn't think about it at all. Probably not. Yeah, so then I'm, I'm making it clear, these are the last two homemade cookies. They're not homemade like I got the dough out of a package. I mean, I mixed the ingredients together. I didn't make the wheat and the flour myself, but... And then my advice, um... And it's going to refer back to, of course, the week. This week in our family history, as it were. And, um... It's basically in your family. And most people don't do this. So this is advice that you... You may not appreciate or ever be able to do. But whether it is a big event like a family reunion or a wedding or a birthday party, or if it is a funeral, a tragedy, an illness, you know, you've got someone in hospice or whatever it is. You know, your family, close or not close, you are bound together and you do these things together. It's just the way it is. I will say, and this sounds really overused, but be who you are in those times. Don't bullshit everybody. Don't pretend to be the strong one if you're the one who crumbles all the time. Don't crumble if you think you can actually get your shit together and be the strong one. Don't make everyone else make all the decisions when you're in, and they're, they're having a hard time when you're sitting there thinking to yourself you know what, I could probably get this done and give everybody a break and do the be the one who, in my for my good example is in this situation, I'm like, I'll pick, my mom and I pick the songs for the memorial that's coming up. I'm going to pick all the pictures. I'm going to, we have a couple of videos that were suggested, and that's fine. Those are people who, the people up close to the situation have other things to deal with. So my little skills in life happen to include messing with stuff on the computer, messing with making little videos and slideshows. I'm not going to shrink up into a little ball and be like, oh, I, I better not do that because I don't know if I'll make the right decisions and I might... No, I'm going to be myself and I'm going to be... My role here is things like I have no problem being in hospitals. It doesn't bother me one bit. I can sleep on the floor. I can sleep in a chair. I can sit next to... In this case, my cousin had until today and yes, today or yesterday, she had ventilator and everything, you know, tubes down her throat and a bolt sticking out the top of her head. Her head was shaved. She has part of her skull missing because of her head injury and it's taped over. But I mean, it's, you know, some people would walk it and some people would never even go I, there. I wouldn't. Right. I have a sister that's not her. She can't kill with it, deal with it. That doesn't mean she doesn't love her dearly and that she's not completely destroyed by this. It means... I'm the cousin who can say, you know what, I'm nobody's up there with her right now because she was completely unconscious for all these days. But we were talking to, you know, people were talking to her and trying to, you know, just that kind of thing. I said, I'll drive up there. 
I'll drive up there and spend the rest of the day and the night. I don't care. I mean, it doesn't bother me at all to be in the hospital. That's another one of my little niche things that if someone is really ill or really has a physical thing to, that needs tending to, I have no problem with it at all. The other side of it is I'm not the crumbler. I'm not the person who will sit and just fall apart and... I'm not the good person to sit next to that person and be holding their hand and giving them speeches of, we're going to get through this and everything will be fine. That's not my thing. You know, if I'm in that situation, like I'm not a hugger, right? I don't hug much. I hug you. When my mother comes around and I, she'll say, oh, I love you. I love you. And I'll say, oh, do you want a hug? I suppose. And she'll laugh because she knows me. I've always been this way. However, in the moment at the funeral home and stuff, there were people who, I'm aware that they're in my family, sort of removed from your group. In that moment, they did the some, you know, there was not enough hugs to go around. So I was like totally in, I was fine with that. But to linger in the moment and to be the one who just held on to the person and be like kind of counseling them through it for hours and hours, that's not my, I can do it. But it's not as genuine because I'm a very straightforward person. I'm a person who would say, like, look, this is horrible. It's shitty. It's like there's nothing worse than you can imagine in your family than a little kid dying. But, and just like I'm doing right now, you do what, what's her name? Emma Thompson does in Love Actually. And when mm -hmm. I saw that scene, I was like, oh, my God. That's what people, like, I guess my personality and maybe a lot of women do. You flutter your hands in front of your eyes and you take a deep breath and you go, but this, the shit that needs to get done right now, we need to just rise above our feelings and we need to move on. And a lot of people can't deal with that. A lot of people like the, the, the softer approach to dealing with grief and stuff. And that's just not my thing. So I move on and I say, what can I do? So if I can give advice to people, it, everyone's had tragedies in their families that there's no one exempt. Well, maybe some people haven't dealt with death or whatever, but when it comes around and it, as a unit, a lot of things need to get done. Take something that you're good at or that you have access to or you have knowledge of in the situation. If you know legal stuff, if you know financial stuff, if you have money you can just help with or you have people you know who can get this thing done or that thing done, do that. You know, don't just like back off and be like, oh, I don't know what to do. And don't pretend to be something you're not because you're not helping. And as a unit, your whole family, if you have enough, we have a lot of people in our family. It's like a puzzle, right? And we are actually pretty whole puzzle. Everybody has their little piece that they can do. So that's my advice. Okay, <laughs> On the so. tail of um, I started, we started with a very depressing thing and I'm ending with a depressing thing. I don't think of it as depressing, even though it's horrible. I think of it as life and death. And it's part of everything and we can hopefully learn from it and move on. So let me remind you about our websites, ascoli.com, sidtor.com. You can catch How us trivial. on Twitter <laughs> and Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube, PlayStation Network. You can also catch us on iTunes Music Store, this podcast, or the Zoom Marketplace. Or um, you can catch us on ascoli.com, click on the word podcast. Uh, we're all, we, were also, we will also be on mm. Stitcher. If you've heard Stitcher. of Stitcher, 
I like the way you say that. Stitcher. Um, it's an iPhone app, an Android app, or a website. You can go there, and you can be able to listen to our podcast there. Is it just also. an RSS player feed? Thing? It's an actual website, but they have an app, so you can just listen straight to the podcast in it, and you can just type us in, and we will be in there. Uh, that's a new thing. Um, we might not be in it just yet, but within a week we will be. And finally... Email feedback to me, aschoolie at Don't email Sid Talk. She doesn't want your garbage emails. I mean, if you want to say something nice, I'm not going to reject anybody this week. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't know my email address, so there you go. (laughs) And stay classy. If you use your brain, you will think if his his email address is what it is, and you just said it, I'm not going to repeat it, then you can probably figure out what mine is. And uh, stay classy, Mr. Leonardo DiCaprio. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm going to say, I am going to stay with tradition here. Think for yourselves, everyone, because if you don't do it, someone will do it for you.